Hey Warriors, welcome back to another episode of Warrior Within. I am so glad that I'm able to do this today and I, I really do hope that last week was a good episode and that it had you know any form of impact on any of you. I know it was really long, but man, there was just a lot and it was just intense and God you know really wanted me to talk about that. So this week, it's going to be a little bit on stepping on toes. I'm, I'm calling it stop side carding. Now to explain my thought on side carding, you know, you guys know I play in a gaming community and I play a game called Guild Wars 2. And in World vs. World, you usually have a commander leading a, like a bigger guild or a bigger group that kind of leads the charge and fights. And then there's usually smaller guilds that usually side cart. And that's usually what our community is more doing with another community. We, we side cart together. And, and the idea I want you guys to understand is that side carting in the game is not a bad thing because sometimes uh, that side cart can help win a battle. But I wanted to be clear that in real life with a man, we shouldn't be the side carting. You see, leading is the responsibility of the man. And remember how I said that the side cart helps or comes alongside with the main force to help in any battle and sometimes can change the battle. And in this case, the wife. And I know some of you may not be married, but if you're planning on being married, you need to understand what your wife's purpose is with you as your partner. She is supposed to be your side card in some sense. She's supposed to be the one that follows you into battle, follows you into life, follows you into decisions. But that also means you respect her position beside you. You see, the side card still has a mind of their own. They still have to make choices. They have to work with their team that they have, but they work alongside with the bigger community or the bigger group in the battle or in the scenario of life in that battle. So I, I got really, I know this is kind of really like a, like a big picture idea. And some, since you got some of you guys may not be playing Guild Wars 2 or, you know, you don't know what I'm talking about, but the other thing I thought of was like a motorcycle, you know, how there's a sidecar that connects to it. You know, one person is leading in us, one who can actually drive. The other one is just sitting in the side, but doesn't mean that they don't have, you know, navigations or, you know, they don't help or they, you know, communicate with that person. You see, I think a lot of us men have been getting too comfortable sitting on that side cart. And I think the idea is because we don't realize that we are supposed to be leading not only like over our wives and our children, but leading in the church, leading in our communities. I know that sounds like a huge responsibility. I mean, it could be scary for many of you, especially young marrieds and people who are just about to get married or people interested in getting married. But the question you have to start thinking to yourself is what happens when men stop leading? Before we get to the verses, I want you guys to look at society as, as you watch, as companies make these choices to support views and ideologies that don't align with scripture, where now you hear men don't want to be men anymore. 
we hear people suggesting that there's something else besides God's creation. You see, when men stop leading where they're supposed to be leading, sin wins. Sin starts taking over. In families where men stop leading and the women start leading, there is struggle. And I don't know if any of the women that listen to this even feel this way, but do you long for men to lead you? Because here's the thing. I do think part of the curse of what happened when the fall of man happened um, is women, the sin with women, as they try to lead and take control because we've seen it with feminism. We've seen how our country has totally changed from men leading the family to everybody should be equal completely. When in reality, we're not equal. We are created by the same God and we are created in his image. But the truth is, you know, in Genesis, that Adam was created first and then Eve was created from Adam. Adam was meant to lead Eve. Man was meant to lead women. It doesn't mean that women don't have the understanding. doesn't mean that they can't voice their opinions. doesn't mean that they don't share their thoughts. It doesn't mean any of that. When women start trying to gain control, try to create this fairness ideology, this equality that basically has basically spurred men to be trash or treat them like they shouldn't exist. And that it's, it's so confusing because you'll hear women say they want men to lead, but then at the same time, they don't want to be led. And then you sometimes hear women say, you know, I, I've, I have chosen into being into this position as a mom and taking care of my family. It's not because I have willingly given this to a man to lead me. But in reality, a lot of times women go right into the position that they're supposed to have. When they have a man who's willing to lead. There is a purpose, guys. We are supposed to lead, not only in our home, but in our church, at your jobs, in the community. Doesn't mean you have all the answers. Doesn't mean that you know, women shouldn't be directors, shouldn't be a part of, you know, shouldn't be bosses. But the thing is, you as a man should be willing to be able to step up where you're needed to step up. Because when we become very psych-hearted, we become very passive, we start sitting back, we start, well, I know I do, I do my little part to it and that's all I have to do. And we start losing what we're supposed to be doing. Because if we go to Genesis 3, you guys can spend time reading through that, but it's the fall of man. But I wanted to focus on verse 12. It says, the man said, the woman whom you gave to me, or gave be be with to be with me she gave me some fruit of the tree and i ate and the reason why i want to focus on this verse is because if you read chapter one and chapter two you know that god told adam you can have anything you want except for that tree and you know 
that Adam knew what that tree was, and you know that he knew what that fruit was. That is why when we look at those verses up there at like 8 through 13, as God comes to the garden calling them out and they're hiding, they don't confess of their sin. They excuse their sin. They disobeyed. You know, I've talked about this before. Why would God call out to them asking him, you know, where are you? I, I believe God was giving them a chance to repent. But they didn't repent. They blamed. In this case, Adam blames God for the woman. You blame the holy God of the universe that this is your fault that this woman did this. No. Adam chose. This is that connection to understanding last week's episode. Chose to disobey and chose his desire for his wife over obedience. And this is all going to wrap up to, towards the end. Why that's an important thought to think about. He allowed her to control him instead of him saying, Eve, no, you disobeyed. Why? This fruit is evil or not evil, but this fruit God told us no See, that's what God was hoping Adam was going to do, but he didn't. He fell for the sin. He fell for his pride. We go to Romans 5. It actually explains how important that decision that Adam made. Go down to verse 12. It says, therefore, just as through one man sin entered into the world and death through sin. And so death spread to all Mankind, because all sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world. But sin is not counted against anyone where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam until Moses, even over those who had not sinned in the likeness of the violation committed by Adam, who is type of him who was to come who is a type of him who is to come so that part that last part is talking about jesus you know i've mentioned this before but the idea is that because of adam's sin sin entered this world not satan not eve because of adam go to first timothy 2 it's going to be verses 11 through 15 it says a woman must quietly receive instruction with entire submissiveness. Now, today, you will hear women say submissiveness is basically like controlling you. And there's a lot of women who are totally against the word, the word submissive, because they have defined it as such. But then they'll say it should be a partnership. Well, submitting to somebody is a form of partnership, but you're giving that person you're submitting the authority to lead you. So when we go to work, our boss is who we submit to. The government is who we submit to. We give our taxes. We, you know, we follow the rules and laws. 
when we break the laws, we submit to the authority of the judge. You see, today, the so-called feminists and, and, and lots of women have used that word and changed the definition of what it really means, but we do it on a daily basis. Anyway, do, verse 12, um, it goes, But I do not allow a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man, but to remain quiet. Now, this is where I, I do believe that a woman should not be the preacher or pastor over a church. Doesn't mean she can't teach to people in the church, but to be the authoritative word of God towards the church, no. Verse 13, for it was Adam who was first created, and then Eve, which is what I mentioned, and it was not Adam who was deceived, but the woman was deceived and became a wrongdoer. But women will be preserved through childbirth if they continue in faith, love, sanctity, and women with moderation. So, Yes, Eve sinned. Eve did start the process, and she was the one deceived, but Adam chose to not tell her no. Chose not to say, no, this is wrong, we're disobeying, we need to we need to get right with God. But you gotta, you gotta understand that because of that sin, we have this problem. Okay? And this will be all clear as we continue. But as we continue on the idea, the idea of sidecarding is a world's perspective. Men today have uh, kind of slowly backed out of really leading in the church. I mean, I've been to several churches where I've seen men who think that being, I guess the word, be a part of the church is I come in, do my tithing, I sit in the service. I take my kids to their, their Bible studies. I help out with a construction or an event buildup. And if there's a men's breakfast, I'll join that. If there is something that, hey, we decided we want to do as men, then that's all I need to do. But that's not leading. I mean, it's great to see men surf. I will tell you that it's the coolest thing to watch. But that's not the goal. That's not the purpose of leading in a church. Taking what we learn on Sunday and applying, because remember we talked about to not just be hearers, but, but to be doers, does require us to be able to take what we're hearing and actually doing what we're supposed to be doing. Like last week, we talked about our eyes being very loosely members it starts with what we see but then it goes into what we choose to do with it it's the same thing with leading just as not sin you're taking what you're hearing and we're supposed to be doing what we're supposed to be doing so men should be leading in the church men should be looking for ways to mentor other men or disciple or to be discipled and mentored to themselves they should be looking for opportunities to learn how to maybe lead their family better. They should be looking for opportunities to be able to maybe preach the gospel, teach. 
doesn't mean you have to be good at it. It doesn't mean that you have to be like a Sunday school teacher all the time. Maybe you choose to do that once. And maybe you just, you know, hey, there's a prayer time. You do realize that in a lot of times when there's a prayer time, there is more women that show up to that than men. That's not good. Men should be the ones leading the prayer. They should be the top number that are showing up to prayer meetings. Most of the time, it's women. That's 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 a worrisome thought you guys need to think about. I mean, most men I meet, one of the things they struggle with is prayer. So it's just it's just a thought. But going back to the idea, I remember at my Baptist church I was brought up in. I I do think you'll have people go, yeah, but I go to a Baptist church and the men are always leading. And I think there's a difference between leading and trying to look like you're a leader. At my Baptist church, there were quite a few men that I saw who did a great job wearing the suit tie and pants every Sunday and holding that Bible and appearing to be men that really did honor God that truly walked in righteousness. But I got to see them outside of that and they were nothing like that. Or I heard in self-righteous statements against another man who had something go wrong in his family, basically tell that man, I'm so glad my child didn't make that mistake. I'm sorry for you. You see, this is not brotherhood talk. This is not what we're supposed to be doing. One of my fondest memories when I first got to that church was my dad had to go to um, kind of like a work school, but it was out of state. So he would have to go for months. It was like three or four months, something like that. And I remember this gentleman, his name was Mr. Esh and adored that guy. Unfortunately, he died many years ago, but I remember him coming up to me and telling me, putting his arm around me and telling, you know, if you need advice, you need, you need a man to talk to. He was my door is always open. Now, mind you, you had a son and a daughter, and they were both my friends at one, you know, in, in high school. And uh, his wife was an amazing woman too. She taught Spanish class, but she was an amazing woman as well. And um, she's doing well. She's not dead. But um, <laughs> the idea was that having him, having him do that, really showed me something about men. Not many other, I would say out of all the years I was there, there hasn't ever been a guy like him towards me while I was going through high school. I did have other dads who didn't go to our church, but they were very active in the school part of it, the Christian school part. And they were like that too. So I met a few other men like that, but at that church, not so much. Other men that really stood out for me was also the youth pastor we had for the first couple of years. Uh, loved the way how he treated his wife. It was He was a very good example of a man, a leading man, and um, didn't have kids yet at the time. But I did learn a lot from him. And then the other one was the pastor, and, he's, and the pastor's still my friend even today, and, and we have our talks, but he even impacts me in ways every time we talk. And he was always a very good example of a man who leads his family. And 
Those are the type of guys you want to look for in your church. Those are the type of guys you want to find in your life. You know, whether they're older or close to your age or even younger. If it doesn't matter to me. Being a mentor and a mentee, disciple or disciplee, it, it doesn't matter what age or how old or young they are. You can learn from all that. And I will say this. That is something that we need to think as men. How are we presenting ourselves to other men? Are we presenting ourselves to our sons? How are we presenting ourselves to young Christian, Christian men who just got married? Because if we're sidecarding, not leading. Young men, women are looking for leaders. Mentor leaders are following the gospel, following the scriptures, and leading like men. I want to be that. I'm hoping I could be that with other men, and I'm hoping other men throughout my life, throughout the years that I've been on this earth, have been encouraged by me. And I want to be a better husband for my wife. But it does start with making sure there's not sins too that are causing us not to lead right because as you can see when adam didn't stop eve we get to see the curse that got thrown into humanity because of adam even though eve was the one that got deceived it's because of adam that we have curse of the, of the sin and I want you guys to think about it before we go to the second half how are you leading your family leading at your church leading in your community or are you sidecarding let's take a quick break and I'll come back right after this Hey, Warriors, welcome back to the second half of the episode. And this half is actually kind of an interesting um, perspective of thought from scriptures. I don't know if many of you, you know, being brought up in a church and probably seeing women's ministry. A lot of times, you know, in most churches, I do see women's ministry doing pretty good at the women's ministry. Sometimes not so good. Um, sisterhood is also a struggle. So in a lot of ways that if you start seeing men become a stronger brotherhood leadership in the church, you will see the women's ministry grow even more. It's harder, in my opinion, to do that online because men are actually not about talking as much as, as, as they are about doing or being around each other. Um, it's very interesting because I've kind of noticed and throughout the years I've tried to do online ministry with men and I even see it even in our discord group, you have times where <laughs> it works, you know, people are talking and sharing their thoughts and it's like, Oh, okay. Oh, that's great. Thank you for telling me this. And you, you can see, you know, I am praying for you. It's there, 
but that's not how usually men really work very well. It's not just about just talking to each other. It's really about doing things together. Like I would think it'd be really cool to see men fishing together, you know, throwing axes together, shooting arrows together, maybe some doing hunting others, maybe, Hey, let's just work on a car. Hey, let's just, uh, you know, work on building a door or, you know, a wall, you know, it's, it's like guys really do communicate a lot when they're doing something together. And I remember my mom saying, she goes, every time I saw, you know, your, your guy friends over, it wasn't a lot of talking. There was just a lot of grunting and noises and, and like you guys would speak here and there, but there wasn't like the communication was really you guys being together. And I kind of thought about it after all these years, it is that guys can sit there and fish for two hours and never say a word to each other, but they've communicated way more than a woman does in an hour of talking. It's because just the presence hanging out, being around somebody is what guys enjoy to do. They don't have to talk. Though talking does happen because eventually, you know, you do have guys even like me who do enjoy the conversation. But if you, you know, if we were fishing or, you know, throwing axes and all that, you know, it'd just be, yeah, that was awesome. You know, like it doesn't have to be a lot, right? So a lot of times, uh, the study usually gets used as Proverbs 31 woman. That's usually the most common statement, but I will tell you this. Most people don't actually read verses one through nine very often and think, Hey, Proverbs 31 man. And even though to me, it doesn't have like, you know, as long as the women's section, um, which is kind of interesting, but it does have a really good, to me, three points of perspective that a man should have. Before we get into that, the one thing I want to encourage you guys is we need to be better at not being passive. We need to be better at praying. We need to be better at being more forthcoming about our thoughts. Because it was very interesting, I read an article not too long ago where it talked about how church is more geared towards women. Now, a lot of times guys could say, oh yeah, I can see that. But I would venture to say, is it geared towards women because men have stepped away from leading? want you to think about that. Is it more geared towards women because men has stopped leading? Now I know some will be like, but my pastor is a man. So wouldn't that mean that it's being led by a man? Well, your church is being led by a pastor. That's a man. But what are your men doing in the church? How are they connecting to the church? How are they relating to the church? See, I often wonder if maybe we need to be really focusing on building a better version of men's ministry other than once a month breakfast and maybe an event. Because guys aren't looking to just come to something and sit. And this is why I have in my mindset of an idea for men's ministry is about doing something. 
even if it's just painting models, you know, um, guys love tabletop games, you know, those guys, they probably love to hang out with that. Maybe just uh, working, you know, a guy has a farm, he needs a fence up. Hey, let's go and help him out. That Those type of deals, those type of things, guys really enjoy. But it's how the church should utilize it as an opportunity to also teach. Now, maybe uh, they just got a fence up, they need to stain it or paint it. So we all go over to their house and... You know, if someone knows how to paint, they teach the other guys how to paint appropriately on the wood. We follow the directions and we do our best. And we serve not only the person who needs the fence painted, but we also can sit there and we can have conversations and talk. And then maybe a little after, do a Bible study and uh, maybe get coffee or, you know, let's do a barbecue and do coffee. Because, you know, all of us guys like to be able to be around a barbecue. You know, there's a fire. Guys like to be around the fire. There's just so much that we could do to really invest in brotherhood of the men in the church. How is the church doing that? To be honest, I don't think they're doing a very good job with it, which is why you don't have a lot of guys stepping up in it. So that, that being said, let's go to Proverbs 31, 1 through 9. I'm just going to read it through and then we're going to talk about it. It says, The words of King Lemuel, the pronouncement which his mother taught him. Which is interesting. What, my son? And what, son of my womb? And what, son of my vows? Do not give your strength to women or your ways to that which destroys kings. It is not for kings, Lamuel. It is not for kings to drink wine or for rulers to desire intoxicating drink. Otherwise, they will drink and forget what is decreed. And I want to write here real quick an interesting point about this. There's actually an example. If you want to go and find that example, go read Esther. And you'll see what happens when the king is intoxicated. Uh, going back to verse 5. And pervert the rights of the needy. Verse 6. Give intoxicating drink to one who is perishing, and the wine to one whose life is bitter. And let him drink and forget his poverty. And remember his trouble no more. Open your mouth for the people who cannot speak, for the rights of all the unfortunate. Open your mouth, judge righteously, and defend the rights of the poor and needy. Now, I have three points. Okay. My three points are number one, do not give strength to women. Now, I want to be clear this is not about equality. This is not about men need to be walking all over women. I want you to understand this because if you listened to the last episode, you know that by eyes and then making a choice can make bad decisions. You are giving power to lust. And the lust is for a woman. So by giving power to lust, you are now giving power to a woman's body to you. And not only one woman, but many. Because you get it stuck in a rut of addiction to it. 
and you start looking at everything and anything that pleases you, that controls you, and uses you. I want that to sink in as we continue. But I also know, and I have heard this live, not just on TV shows or movies or, you know, TikTok videos, you know, that people try to do or shorts that people try to do to try to be funny and silly. But how many times have we heard about a woman who uses sex or intimacy as a tool to get what she wants? Want that to stick around in your mind a little bit. You see... This is what I believe is what we're supposed to be careful about with women. Women have a tendency to use stuff like that to control an outcome for the way they want it. And I know many times we've probably seen it as more of a joke, but in reality it is used as a tool. This is where the woman knows that you are a lustful person and you know that, and she knows that you enjoy that. And so if she could take that away, she can get what she wants. And this is where we need to be very careful. Don't allow that to be a tool used against you as you lead. Um, how about this? Um, sitting back and letting your wives lead the family. Because one, this excuse I hear 99% of the time, and I don't know the percentage, but 99% of the time when I hear a lot of this conversation is because I'm too tired when I get home from work, I don't have time to deal with all the drama at home. Well, the problem is you're supposed to. <laughs> Even if you're tired, you still have the responsibility to lead your home. And when I think of Proverbs 31, those verses it is to the ideal of a king, someone who is leading. And I know we've talked about we're not supposed to be king of our family. We're supposed to be, you know, like stewards of it. We're supposed to be uh, servants of it. And, and, you know, so we serve a God who is our king. So in that case, if God's our king and we're supposed to lead our family, are we not to also be leading our family? Even if we're tired, even if we're struggling, it's hard because trust me, I've been there. I know what it's like to feel like you have nothing. But we still have to lead. Don't sit back. What about at church? You know, we talk about... It seems like the church is more focused on women, but the reality is, are you as a man leading in your church? You know, there's a bunch of guys there. Have you say, hey guys, let's... We're going to go fishing this next Saturday. I'm going to do a small Bible study. We're going to pray together and, you know, we could just share what's going on and see what's going on. Hey, you know, we're just going to come to the church. We're going to have a bonfire in the back. We'll cook some hot dogs and a stick or, and they do s'mores after we'll do like, you know, uh, I forgot what it's called. I oh, might not remember. It's not croquet. It's another ball type game where you throw a, a ball into to the closest one to the small one. You guys probably know what I'm talking about. Or, you know, we might do horseshoes or we may, hey, we'll um, play two-hand touch football. You know, wh whatever it may be. But, like, there's opportunities that we are missing 
to build up the men in our church. And we need to. And it could be as simple as, hey, every Sunday, an hour before church, I'm going to pray for our church. Come join me. But don't just focus on just that. Try to also build that relationship with these guys. I mean, it can come from that, but make sure you do focus on that. So why has manhood declined? Well, one, our society has been taking away manhood for, for emotional baggage men. And we don't act like we're supposed to. Straightforward. We don't act like we're supposed to. Because remember, the one of the verses that I have, or I say verse says, is 1 Corinthians 16, 13 to 14. It says, be on, be on the alert, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong, and all that you do must be done in love. We need to be teaching this to men. You want to stop the decline of manhood? We need to be men that are alert. We know what's going on in society. We know what's going on in the Christian culture. We know what's going on in our church. We know what's going on in our family. We know what's going on in our community. We know what's going on at work. We are paying attention. We are studying the scriptures. We are ready to defend the faith. We are praying. Because remember I told you, praying is the first part of the armor of God that we should be doing zealously is the first form of defense, first form of offense, and the first form of giving us courage, strength, and faith to live every day. Standing firm in the faith is a requirement. It says right there, stand firm in the faith. That means what I just said, studying, spend time in God's word, praying together, worshiping together, going to church on Sundays to be up with other believers is a huge plus, but it has to be more than that. Men are struggling Monday through Saturday. Men feel like they are alone. Men feel like there's no no what else in the in the church or in the community that knows what they're going through. And they need to know that there is a Bob Smith in their church who they can call and say, I am really struggling in the sin. I am really struggling financially. I'm really struggling in understanding how to love my wife. I'm having a really hard time struggling how to love my girlfriend. Having a hard time figuring out where I want to go for college. I'm having a really hard time picking a car. I'm having a really hard time about, you know, rent. I'm having like whatever it may be. There should be somebody that you can call and say, hey, can we pray about this? Can I talk to you about this? <clears throat> Maybe you get a group of guys come together and just talk. Share scripture. This is what I think is so beautiful about it. Okay, number two is about to see verses gotta go back um so we go down uh it says do not give your strength to women or your ways that which destroys kings it is not for kings lemuel it is not for kings to drink wine i want to be clear the second one to me is do not drink do not drink to become intoxicated I don't drink myself because every drink I taste tastes like rubbing alcohol to me. Two. Even if I could, would I want to? I don't know. I don't think I just... It's never really been a desire of my heart to do. 
So then the next question is then why do people do it? A lot of times people do it because it gives them that sensation of comfort and drinking enough can help you to forget because that's what it says later. Let them, let those that need to do it. But as a leading man of your household it is very vital that your mind is clear. It is very vital that you are not intoxicated by anything. And the interesting part, this is talking about drinking, but I said, you know, do not drink or become intoxicated. We could be intoxicated by sin. I want you guys to think about that. We could be intoxicated by sin. So there's a lot of parts of this little part that we can really think about. I don't, I don't think it's wrong for your people to drink, but I think it's wrong and it's a sin to get intoxicated. But I also want to say sin when we do sin is an intoxication because it destroys the image of what we're supposed to be as a righteous man, seeking out holiness, walking with the Lord, being godly, doing what we're supposed to be doing by obeying God and the scriptures. So in the long run, we have become intoxicated by sin. Be mindful of this, guys. When you're intoxicated by drinking, you lose discernment, self-control, awareness of right and wrong. But if you're intoxicated by the sin, guess what it's also doing too? You're not able to discern very well. You lose self-control and your awareness of right or wrong starts getting twisted. See how it's all kind of connecting to the same ideology? And then later it does talk about giving toxicating drink to one who is perishing. I will say this, those that are of the world, let them feed on the sin until they're willing to say, Hey, you know what? I want a savior. You can't tell them that drinking is wrong. You really can't. And it's not that you can't say it. They just won't hear it because you go to somebody who's been struggling with whatever it may be, abuse, anxiety, hurt, pain, or not being loved enough, whatever. And they drink because they want to forget If they don't know Jesus. They will not see that answer. But does not mean you stop witnessing or stop telling about Jesus, but you telling them like, as one of the things I think when our country went to that road of no alcohol and they're trying to basically wipe it out of the face of united states the reason why i could not stay working is because you have worldly people and worldly people don't see biblical perspective of how over drinking is bad does that make sense okay so i want you guys to be clear i'm not saying can't drink but if you're drinking you're getting drunk all the time that you're you're in sin guys but if you're drinking you know socially you know having maybe a can of beer a bottle of beer when you get home there's nothing wrong with that but be mindful if you are getting controlled by it and you're not really thinking straight then you've drank too much and too maybe you need to stop drinking 
But second thing is sin. Sin will distort everything that you see. If it's not dealt with. And if you're not trying to repent, if you're not trying to change the course of the arrow, because when you're going into sin, the, the arrow misses the mark. So the idea is like, turn away. Remember we talked about running away like Joseph did. Get away from it. Get your life right. Walk with the Lord. Repent. Trust in God. If you don't know Jesus, ask him to be your savior to, to cleanse you of all your sin and to get right with him. Number three is defend those who cannot defend themselves. I want to be clear. This is not activism. This is not about rioting or citing with ungodly agendas. Research, research, research. Understand what is being taught. Not what's being heard, what's being taught. Because what we hear, because remember, people are deceptive and you know the enemy is trying to get you to see something different than what is really being there. And this goes right back to knowing your scriptures. Spending time in prayer. Testing the spirits. Just because there is a group that's out there fighting for one, for example, one race's perspective, study up what they are teaching. Don't just side because you see how what they're saying could be true. Make sure you study to make sure what they're saying is true. This is why it's so important to know your scriptures. <coughs> if you don't know what the scriptures say, how are you supposed to discern when the enemy is speaking or when there is an enemy using a spirit? Because the idea is like a, a movement. I always see like the movements of ideologies that get pushed through. There's a spirit behind that's trying to encourage that. Doesn't mean they're making it happen. They're just encouraging it because they want that in there. Because if they could start spreading a lie that isn't necessarily true or partially true because it has enough scripture to sound true, but it really isn't, doesn't mean it's right. Because it's got to go back to the scriptures 100%. It can't be twisted around or weird. This is why ideologies that you know, are supporting against stuff that, you know, we should be defending, you know, abortion, abuses, bullying, you know, brothers, sisters falling in sin. It is clear in Matthew 18, 15 to 20, how we're supposed to deal with somebody who's, who's sinning. We're not supposed to go, oh, well, it's not my responsibility to say anything because I'm not supposed to be judging. No, God's already judged this world for one. And if you see another believer who's not doing what they're supposed to be doing, you're supposed to be saying, hey, you know, not like in public in front of everybody, but go to them in private and say, hey, Jim, you know, I, I, I've kind of noticed that, you know, you're talking a little bit too much about women in a way that I don't think is very appropriate, you know, or, you know, hey, Bob, you know, I kind of noticed that you've been drinking a little bit too much when we go out. Is there something going on? Because here's the thing, when there's a brotherhood, when there's men coming together, when there is a church that's understanding the importance of getting men to lead in their church, when Dennis goes to Bob and says, hey, I've been noticing you've been drinking too much, Bob may open up and say, yeah, you're right, I've been struggling really hard at home. 
I've been struggling at work, and I, I just, I just want to forget. And this is where we come together to get behind that, get behind that person who's struggling. And yes, we are supposed to. In verse eight, open your mouth for the people who cannot speak, for the rights of all the unfortunate. Open your mouth, judge righteously, and defend the rights of the poor and needy. I want to be clear, this is the one thing that people skip over. They always like, oh, we'll see, we're supposed to be defending the, the poor and the needy and the weak, the unfortunate. Yes, but what does it say? Open your mouth, judge righteously. We are to judge righteously. That means we are supposed to have the scriptures in us. We're supposed to know what God would do in the situation. If in any case, <clears throat> any decision by the government that is towards the needy or the poor, that is not righteous or not right, you go through the parameters of the system to fix it. It does not mean you go and start a war against the government. You do it right. As you remember in scripture, it says we're supposed to be at peace. Those around us. If you're joining a group and they're starting to look more like an activist situation and, and rioting and switching the tiles from just being words to being anger and rage and hate. That ain't righteous. So I love it when I see people helping poor and needy. I think it's needed more. I think there's a lot more poor people in a lot of ways than just money. You can be poor in spirit. You could be a sinner who's stuck in sin that needs help. How about the people in the church who were, you know, going to church and suddenly, you know, they went and they got, they ran off with a guy or a guy ran off with a girl and got, he got her pregnant. She got pregnant, come back to the church and the church treats like they are trash instead of trying to help them walk upright. How about the pastor who's who's having a really hard time instead of trying to make it be where he has to be perfect all the time? Help him. Like, really help him. Instead of firing him, kicking him out. You see, I think we're doing a very poor job in helping those who need help. But I also think... When we are supposed to defend with our mouths, we de we defend righteously. We use the scriptures. We uphold the truth that Christ would do, and that's why it's very careful with these. This last little bit it, it reminds me of the night code where we're supposed to defend those that are less fortunate. You see someone that's getting bullied, you you step up and you defend them. Doesn't mean you pull out a gun or a knife and you start trying to attack the other person. No, you stand up between that person and the other person. Yes, it could be dangerous. 
you should speak up. You see your boss is mistreating someone else at work. You should speak to him. Not easy, but you should do it. You see, I think we as men have gotten too quiet. And I think today is the opportunity for us to stop sitting in the sidelines, stop being a side cart, and see what God, how God can use us to be men who can lead, not only at home, but at the church, in our communities, and at work. Let's pray. Hey, Father, thank you for this time. I ask you to bless the rest of this, these guys' week as they move on this week. Um, I pray that you give them courage and strength to lead in their families, to lead, even if they're a single guy, to lead in where they're at, lead in their church, lead at home if they're living with family. Wherever it may be, help these men to step up. Use them. Use them to be more than where they've been. And if they're willing to hear them and encourage them, build them up, build up men's ministries that are building men that are disciples, that are warriors for you, who love you, who obey you and do what they're supposed to be doing as men of God. Pray this in Jesus name. Amen. Guys, I know this was pretty long the second half, but I'm hoping that this will be a good conversational starter for you guys, wherever you may be, whether you're part of our groups, whatever it may be. I would love to you know hear your feedback. If you're in the discord feedback on anything that comes up, because I love the feedback because it helps me to make better choices and, and, or maybe see what God's take, telling me to teach, but have an understanding of what you're hearing so that, you know, maybe my own words aren't sounding right. But, you know, of course, God's word is always going to be perfect. You know, using his word is the is the key thing of all this. But, you know, it helps me to know what's going on. But I thank you, all of you who are supportive, who've been praying, who have subscribed, who have you know joined the discords and have shared their hearts. You know, I, I pray that you could find maybe encouragement somehow from the other guys. And and hopefully you could find a group of men where you're at. Right? And I. Just want to bless you all for this week, and I'll see you next time.